0: Hello, and welcome to Minted Dialogue, episode number 177. Today is Sunday, the 10th of January, 2016. Happy New Year. So as many of you might have recognize, I took off the month of December, but the podcast is now back on its weekly schedule, and we're going to start off with a cracker. This interview is with Nick Wheeler, CEO and founder of Charles Turret, not Tyrite, as I you will later find out. Charles Turret is a privately held men's fashion brand based in London. The story of Charles Turret is loaded with great lessons learned and certainly is an example of how to evolve and thrive in these changing times. In this conversation, we discuss the challenges of moving from a catalog business to an online retailer, the importance of stores in the mix, Nick's key performance indicators, and his single most important advice for entrepreneurs. A stimulating way to begin the year, I'm sure you'll agree. Welcome to the Minter Dialogue podcast where we discuss brand marketing with a focus on all things digital. I am Minter Dial, your host and author of The Mindset. That's M-Y-N-D-S-E-T.com where branding gets personal. You'll find the show notes to the blog for the upcoming interview. Let's cut to the quick and enjoy the show. Hello and welcome to the Minter Dialogue today. As I had announced, I have a special guest in the form of Nick Wheeler, an old schoolmate. And the CEO and founder of Charles Tyrite. I hope I got that spelled right. So, Nick, tell us who you are and what, you, what you're up to.
1: Um, you've got it spelled right, but you haven't actually pronounced it oh right. Gosh, it's Charles Tyrite. Right. Oh, Very okay. important. Yeah. Um, gosh, what did I. I mean, I, I, I started this business back in 1986. And uh, I always think of myself as being a tortoise in the entrepreneurial world. Uh, I think entrepreneurs are either hares or tortoises. Hares grow a business, build it fast, sell it, float it, move on to the next. Tortoise is just slow and steady, and I've just been growing the business over the last, slightly depressingly, it's now 30 years, but uh, growing up for 30 years, and, and I've actually loved pretty much every minute, except mm. for when I went bust and, and nearly went bust and a few other sort of mishaps.
0: Well, they say that uh, failure is a, 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 you know, something you need to have a wing on your, on your shoulders as an entrepreneur. Do you agree?
1: I think you learn a hell of a lot more from your failures than you do from anything else. Um, when I went bust, I learned so much. It becomes so painful that you actually take it in and you learn it. I, I think a lot of people spend a lot of time, you know, they have mentors and they read books and they listen to other people. But when you're actually doing it yourself and making the mistake, you actually learn from it.
0: Mm-hmm. It's, the, it's the scars on your body. Yeah. And you, you you can look at them and remind yourself about that. What was the what would be the, the key learning that you took if you wanted to share for others to 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 try and have a you know a, um, a share of your scar. Uh,
1: the key learning would be focus. I went bust in in nineteen uh, ninety four, and I very nearly went bust again in two thousand and seven, and I went bust at both times for exactly the same reason, and it's that I lost focus. And I think as an entrepreneur, when you're running a business, you get you get very wound up with what you do. And when things start to go well, you start to potentially become a little bit bored, mm-hmm. and you start to look for other things to do. Mm-hmm. So, in 1994, I had a great little business. We were doing two and a half million pounds sales, making two hundred fifty thousand pounds profit, and I was just bored. I just mm-hmm. felt, you know, I looked around, and Jimmy Goldsmith and you know, was 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 being a, a you know an amazing sort of blockbuster entrepreneur around the, the world. Media. So I thought, if he can do it, I can do it. If, I, if he can do acquisitions and assets, I can do it. So I bought a little chain of children's clothes shops. I was a men's mail-order shirt business. What I thought I could do to a children's retail clothes chain, I, I have no <coughs> idea. But I lost more money in three months than i made in the last three years and went bust.
0: Oh, so the tortoise didn't go back into its shell, though. It came
1: back out rearing, right? The tortoise comes out thinking, right, actually, I'm a shirt seller, and I'm going to bloody well stick to shirt selling. Mm. And it's funny because you know, I, I and that's exactly what I did. And 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 move forward, move the clock forward ten years, and we were at forty million pounds sales, making four million pounds profit. Had a great business, but time you sort of people sort of you know the problem with time is you forget you, f- you forget the lessons mm-hmm. or you can forget yeah. the lessons. And uh, and what I did is I effectively did exactly the same thing. I mean, it's just embarrassing. I always say to people, I used to say to people in the business, right. You know, I don't want you to be afraid of making mistakes. It's very important. You you push the boundaries. You go out there and you and you make a difference. Don't be afraid of making mistakes. As long as you don't make the same mistake twice. Mm-hmm. So then, in 2005 to to 2007, I I went into um. I went into women's and slightly embarrassingly children's clothes again. <laughs> I mean, it's just absolutely unbelievable.
0: Well, there's there's a, and there is a natural link to it.
1: Uh, what, in, what, in terms well, of Well, if,
0: you, so if you're so if going to women and then you, you know, they naturally would shop for the women, but customers will naturally also want to shop for children.
1: So, yeah, the trouble a- is is that the women customers, there aren't enough, you know, our, you know, what we sell is we sell classic men's shirts. And mm-hmm. men are actually quite funny about the shirts they wear. And men tend to buy their own shirts. And, and one thing I did discover over that phase is that men don't like buying women's clothes. Mm-hmm. And they certainly don't like buying children's clothes. Yeah, so there wasn't a crossover. So there was just no crossover. So we ended up with just a shed load of of stock in women's and children's clothing that we just couldn't sell. Nine million quid's worth of stock we couldn't Mm -hmm. sell. The bank went absolutely ballistic and... uh, it was very nearly curtains again.
0: Well, you know, the, thing, the funny thing about this is that these these issues crop up, and especially the term focus or the issue to, to need to focus crop up and tend to hit you in different ways so that, you, you know, you're looking back obviously it feels like you did the same mistake, but it comes up for in, in different formats. And thinking specifically today, 2016, we have so many choices in resources and opportunities that are popping up all the time it becomes awfully difficult to keep that focus where the, the selection of choices might be in a completely different field. You're no longer thinking about going into children and women's, but you have so many choices in terms of media and maybe countries. So how, how are you managing to keep that focus in today's crazy world where we've got so many options?
1: I think the really important thing, you have to just sort of try to boil your business down to a few key fundamentals. And I've tried, within this business, I've tried to boil it down to, basically, it's, it, it's quality of product, it, it's, um, it's value for money with us, and it's, and it's levels of service. You know, since I started the business, I have always said we will bend over backwards for a customer. Mm-hmm. Some of the customers do push the boundaries. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, we have a sort of uh, a six-month guarantee, and we have people, maybe I shouldn't say this, but people who, they come into the stores... And they literally get their iPhones out and they say, right, I'm just going to put in five months and 29 days so I can bring all this stuff back and get new stuff. And Mm -hmm. they literally, they're so upfront and blatant, typically in the States. Mm -hmm. But it's, uh, so they push the boundaries. But but ultimately, you mustn't let your, if you believe in service, you can't let a few people Mm -hmm. sort of stop you from doing what you believe is right. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's quality value service. And and then also, I, I I just think right. I want the people in this business to love working in this business. If you if you can get that, you're ha- you're halfway to having a great business. Mm-hmm. And then I want the customers to love this business, and I, I also want the suppliers to love the business. Mm-hmm. And I think you just try to have a few simple rules. Those are my rules in mm-hmm. running the business. And you try and have a few simple rules, and and then you you find that you can cut through all the because you're right. There is so much. To, there's mm-hmm. so much stuff going on. Mm-hmm. There's so many ideas and so many. Channels you can sell through so many countries, but you just try to you know keep it focused. I, I, I think you know we had a problem where we we did launch in Germany and in the U.S. before we should have done. Mm-hmm. We should have stayed in the U.K. People forget that the U.K. is a big market. Yeah. You, know, you can sell a hell of a lot of shirts in the U.K. Mm-hmm. You know there are, I mean there's a great example of a cement company in I think Ohio. You know there are five billion dollar business. Right. They did not sell any no, right, cement right, right. outside mm-hmm. outside Ohio. Mm-hmm. You know, we could sell a hell of a lot of shirts inside the UK, mm-hmm. and we went to Germany and the US too soon mm-hmm. before we'd really, you have to you know, absolutely sort of button up the, your 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 home market. Before you go, you you get distracted and become very excited about overseas mm-hmm. overseas expansion.
0: Well, one of the things, Nick, about um, CT <laughs> is that you're a privately held company, and, and you, you're the majority shareholder yourself, so you can manage your ambition in that regard. And... and I guess you mentioned before you can also get bored if you do it. So how do you balance that notion of excitement, development, growth, and and your other expectations for profitability and so on?
1: I think it's. I think when you when you start the business, if you're a tortoise, you always have to you have to keep control of the business. Mm-hmm. I've always thought this is, as soon as I lost control of the business, I've got 95% of the business, as soon as you, know, if you, loo- you lose control of the business, you're, you're effectively out because you'll make a mistake at some point. Right. And, they will and the other shareholders will, will chuck you out because they will all have different agendas. Mm-hmm. I think the great thing about owning the business effectively, you know, having complete control and owning your own business, is that you can set a very a, a long-term, you have a long-term view. And you can set where the business is going. And you can be fairly unwavering, despite the sort of couple of big, big, big mistakes I've mm-hmm. made. You can be fairly unwavering and very long term. And I think it's something, it's a real, it's a bit of a problem in the UK, actually, because people just don't tend to do that. Mm-hmm. They get very excited and they mm-hmm. sell their business far too early. Because
0: yeah, every, everywhere they look around, everybody else is doing, ru- you know, the goldsmiths of the world, they're rushing around, yeah. doing more. And, and that, that sort of, that, the lure, well, why aren't you going off to Shanghai and opening up there? And, and the, the sort of part of you might sort of say, well, yeah, okay. But that's what, is that sort of that that's the type of temptation people, your employees also feel?
1: I think it's, I mean, what we have here is we have we have this thing, we have a not-to-do list. Hmm. So, you know, China is on our not-to-do list. <laughs> I mean, the number of people who told me to go to China is just, you know, thousands of people. Thousands of people yeah, want to take sure. us to China. Yeah. I just don't want to do it. Yeah. You know, like the, like the cement factory in Ohio. You know, I've got a hell of a hell of lot of shirts selling in the U.K. And the U.S. is is slightly bigger than the U.K. in terms of our sales, but it's, Five times bigger market. Germany is twice as big a market. Mm. We don't sell as much in Germany as we do in the UK. Until I've got those three, no, those, mm-hmm. those th- well, at least two other territories sorted, mm-hmm. we don't want to go sort of just confusing the business by going elsewhere.
0: All right, one of the things that I wanted to talk to you about, Nick, was the, 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 the evolution of the business, notwithstanding the, the bigger hiccups, but from catalogue to online and, and having stores and online. How have you managed that transition? I mean, I've worked with a number of other catalogue companies looking at that. And, well, it's a vente par correspondence. We, we, It's very similar, but actually it's not. So how has is, how is that evolution been for you? And how much of your business, let's say, if you could tell us, is split between if you have that online catalogue and in-store?
1: Well, I think we were very mm-hmm. early into online. And I think when the, you know, when the internet came along right in the early days... When a lot of people didn't even think it would work for for, for for selling clothes, I just knew that was just manna from heaven. I felt like the luckiest bloke in the whole world. Mm. You know, I would started a mail order business, which right. a mail order is was, you know, mail order was pretty down market, pretty tacky. I did. I started it when I was at university, so mm-hmm. I had no choice. I had to go to the odd lecture. I did geography, so I, <laughs> I didn't have to go to many lectures, but I did have to go to the odd lecture. So I had, so I, had a mail, I had a mail order business. And it was sort of, you know, it was it was great, but it was very niche, and it and it was a little bit down market, you know, because it was mail order. And then the internet comes along, and suddenly the internet actually makes it sexy, and, and not necessarily down market, and 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 certainly not down market. You know, now there's a hell of a lot. Well, every business is online, mm-hmm. um, and what we found is that it, um, you know, the business. I think we've grown at twenty two percent every year for the last twenty four years, whatever it is. And I think the internet completely made that happen. Mm-hmm. And we do seventy-five percent of our business now is 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 online and on the telephone. The telephone is a very small proportion of that. See. The vast majority of orders come through through online. So, the, so a lot
0: of people who are using the catalog are are going to be going back online to make the order.
1: The catalogue is a, is a driver onto, onto online, mm. absolutely. As as it is a driver into the stores. 25% of the sales are, th- are through the stores. I think we've got about 25 stores. And, um, you know, the important thing is, is that the customer chooses where they want to shop and how they want to shop. And a lot of people want to, you know, a lot of people get the brochure and go online and, and that's how they want to do it mm-hmm. and it works very well and when they're online hopefully you can through a, a decent website you can maybe persuade them that they might want to buy a few other things as well as right. the things they decided right because the
0: conversions and all that good stuff so nick uh, you've got these 25 stores uh, but how do you and, and you're doing um, something like uh, 190 million pounds right that was the last fiscal year how do you decide whether you need to, you need to be opening more stores is 25 percent the right balance is there, how do you configure that? Because that, 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 I think this is one of the big challenges, especially yeah. for the people yeah. who are living on and off.
1: I think that's a that's a really it's a very good question, and and we ask ourselves that question a lot. You know, we look around. You know, we are we're very keen to grow the business. You know, I don't want to. I've always said if this business doesn't grow ten percent a year, I will I, I I will get rid of it. I, I just won't be interested anymore. Mm. Because, you know, through growth comes the excitement that mm-hmm. I like, mm-hmm. that I love about right. the business. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, we've looked around at other people, and there are people who are opening 30 stores a year. Sure. And we say, why aren't we opening 30 stores a year? And it's something that we're grappling with. Mm-hmm. And and to be honest, you know, we've been going 30 years, and I've got 25 stores. That's, on average, less than one store a year. We're now, we have a policy now. We're opening five stores a year. I see. So it's more than we have been. Mm. Um and it's something we want to sort of, you know, we don't want to rush it. You know, the world equally is littered with people who've overexpanded in retail, retail units. And when you look at the long-term trends, you know, you can see that, that retail sales are coming down as a percentage of total sales. If mm-hmm. you look at the total shirt market, retail sales are coming down. Online sales are going up. You mm-hmm. know, Do you really want to be going hell for leather into, mm-hmm. that, into that declining sector of the market? Or do you want to be investing more in the online the problem is there's only so much you can invest in the online. There's only so. You know, we're spending a lot of money on, 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 on getting all our systems up to date. We're launching a new, completely new website on the 19th of Jan, actually, which is exciting. quite exciting. Wow. Yeah, it is exciting. Quite scary, but quite exciting.
2: Welcome, change agents, to your go-to place for stories that ignite your spirit, fuel your purpose, and connect us all. We believe in the incredible power of the human spirit You can find the Driving Change podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, or wherever you love listening to your favorite podcasts.
0: Yeah, well, One of the things that's uh, extremely important in this discussion is when you talk about stores, you own your own stores. Do you have? Uh, I mean, I, and I, I'm not familiar with it, but do you have other retail partners, and or is that sort of Verboten? Because you talked about control, yeah. and I would say that you know, if yeah. you look at certain players having control and your own stores is one of the keys to managing to keep consistency in your brand.
1: I think I mean absolutely. We we have had a franchise arrangement in the past in overseas territories. We've done it in um, the Middle East. We've done it in Spain. And it just doesn't work. For me, it doesn't work. I I, I don't know. I mean, I I hope I'm not a control freak. But I just think nobody loves this brand as much as we love this brand. And we have to do it ourselves. Um, So we have to own and manage every single store. And we have to do it how we want to do it because we love it more than anybody else.
0: When when I think about it, uh, I think about stores, I think about the contact, uh, the handshaking per se, the, you know, the visual, the, the people relationship is at, at the most human level as opposed to via a screen. So the stores provide that, but they also typically provide lockdown leases, profitability challenges. So how do you put that into the mix? I mean, how do you evaluate whether five is the right number to be opening per year? Because you want your 10% growth, uh, you also want your brand to stay controlled. Is there? I there was the other number. One of the, uh, the question I was going to ask you, Nick, was: Is there a number that you read every morning, that you that that tells you how your business is taking over, other than, of course, sales? But you know, what is there a number within that that's like the sort of the key to understanding the success that you've had?
1: I think. I think the thing I'm most interested in every morning is the is the score we get from this FIFO thing. Oh, right. FIFO so is. tell us about the FIFA. FIFO is is, is, a, is, a, is an independent online feedback company. So whenever anybody buys from us, they get an email from FIFO asking them to rate the quality of our service and the quality of our product from, from excellent to poor. It takes you know two seconds, well, 15, 20 seconds. They can write a little comment if they want, and a lot of people do. And so every morning, I will get a percentage figure for all the people who've given feedback in the UK, US, Germany, um mail order and and retail and Australia actually in fact God, i have completely forgot to mention australia said all that down under um and I get a percentage of people who rate us as excellent or good, both on the quality of service and the quality of product mm. and I just think if you can get your quality of service to be absolutely which which I reckon you know we would hope to be over ninety eight percent of people rating our quality of service excellent or good, mm. and you know sometimes we get. You know, we get problems. And when we have problems, typically in deliveries, you know, we know about those problems often before the delivery companies know about the problems. Mm-hmm. You know, we've had problems going right. into the States where at JFK they've had problems, you know, with shipment you know, in, in, inbound coming in from the UK and they, the, these conveyors have bust and we've rung up the the, the 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 courier and they have no idea they have a problem. Mm-hmm. But we know about it because the customer tells us and we oh, get that wow. instant feedback. Mm-hmm. So they're a really strategic
0: component of your business, the FIFA folks.
1: Yeah, really important, yeah. really important.
0: So... um. When you uh, t- talk about customer service, um, how do you manage customer service? Because in the end of the day, today, you have, uh, p- p- you know, the customer goes wherever they want. They You have FIFO, which is sort of one way to channel it, but you also have to deal with the telephone calls. You have to and you outsource that. How do you manage? How do you approach customer service in the sort of multi-digital channel world?
1: I think the, we, we have an objective with customer service is to be like the... Um is it the Heineken customer service, where you know you walk down a corridor and at the end there is a very dusty door? That advert where you open the door and that's the customer service department, and there is just nothing in there because you know they obviously they're saying they just don't do anything wrong. And what we what we what we try to do with customer service, absolutely no way would we ever sub it out. You know, we do it all in house. Mm-hmm. Um, we have call centres here in London Bridge and in Milton Keynes. We'd never send it out to India, even in our own call centres. Mm-hmm. You know, we want to do it here, and we want to have control over it. And it's about looking at the reasons for the calls, and the reasons for mm. the emails, and the reason for the feedback, and really getting to the bottom of it, and working out how you can stop those things happening. Mm. You know, if you do things right every single time, you know, what, I mean, the customer doesn't want much. You know, they want to order their shit, they want to call up, or they want to be online, they want it to work perfectly, normally, perfectly well. They want the shirt to arrive on time in a box in a in a condition that they that they expect and they want it to be the right size mm-hmm. and, and no quality problems. And then they'll and then if that happens, they don't contact you. Mm-hmm. So you don't have a customer service team. Mm-hmm. If you're doing if you're absolutely perfect, you don't have a customer service mm-hmm. team. And that's what we try to we'd like to aim for. I mean obviously it is not quite like that. No, of course. Customer <laughs> service doesn't quite work like that. But we've got a big project going on at the moment, which we call Skyline, which is um just really getting to the bottom of every single, you know, every single contact point, mm-hmm. why it's happening, mm-hmm. and working on the, you know, the root cause of it, and trying to stop, you know, to change, you know, to change the business to make sure that those problems don't happen.
0: One of the questions I was going to ask you is with regard to customer service. You're in in four or five countries. Do you see any differences in the way that people complain and relate? I mean, you mentioned the Americans with right? yeah. their five month and yeah. twenty nine days. Do do you find that, uh, you know? A certain class of people criticize more, so it's harder
1: to get the A+. plus.
0: <laughs>
1: um, it's actually, I mean, the scores are pretty consistent. Probably, probably the happiest customers are actually Australia, which I find amazing. Because Australia, you know, we ship everything. We have one warehouse in Milton Keynes, and we ship everything from there. Which, you know, if you live in Northampton, it's fine, because it right. goes an hour away. If you're living in Australia, it's a hell of a distance. And actually, you know, but the Australians are they are, they are the happiest customers. But I think you get, I mean, there are different... Traits in common I mean, Germany obviously don't use credit card as much. They have mm. credit, mm-hmm. which is a bit of a nightmare for us because right. it means that they they'll happily order three products, knowing that they can send two back. Which is the German way. It is the German mm-hmm. way, and that does cause the so German returns are very high. Not because yeah. they don't like the product, but just they're sending two back. That's the
0: tradition. it way. Yeah. yeah, for
1: sure. And it causes that causes issues. Mm-hmm. Um, but generally, I mean, I think we're lucky in a way in that we deal, you know, our customer is basically men. Mm-hmm. And men are, tend to be, you know, they're creatures of habit. And they don't really, they can't be bothered quite often to to change those habits. Mm-hmm. And uh, which is good for us. You know, once we get a customer, we, 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 we hope we've got a customer for life. I think with men, you're more likely to have them for life than, than, than with women who are, who are, you know, constantly testing, trying to improve things. Yeah.
0: So if you're, um, I've got two last questions for you, Nick, before you have to run. Um, if you were approaching a new country, would you, uh, would, how, how would you go about that? How would you advise or, you know, how would you even think about doing it? Store, online only, one city first? How do you, what's your, what would be your light leitmotif? What have you learned to date?
1: Well, for us, I mean, we, we obviously are predominantly an online business. Sure. And so without a shadow of a doubt, we would go online. Um, and that's what we did. It's what we did in Germany. It's what we did in the US. It's what we've done in Australia. We've only we we've got we've got six shops in the US now, but we've got no shops in Germany and no shops in Australia. I see. And you know, Australia is a sort of you know. We went from the reason we went to Australia actually is we looked at our we looked at what we were doing in Australia and we saw we were doing a million pounds sales a year in Australia from doing nothing. We thought, crikey, you know, Australians yeah. like they 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 like our shirt. This could work so we 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 started doing some 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 um inserts and some just small amount of marketing in Australia and the next year we did fifty million pounds of sales in Australia nobody on the ground no office no office in Australia nothing and we just realized that there was a you know it was possible to do an online business overseas without having people on the ground without having overhead and you can really drive a drive a great business so um you know we are looking at other territories at the moment um, which we will go into online only
0: Wow okay so last question about uh, the brand so uh, you mentioned how important a brand is for you when you're talking about uh, hiring employees that are you know happy committed uh, what are the types of things you look for to understand that this is the right thing it's one of the hardest things to do is to understand the long the long term excitement if you will of a prospective employee what are the what are the the criteria you look for that believe that are fitting into your brand when you're talking about employees.
1: I think you just try to ooh god I mean it's a difficult one. I mean well there's yeah, the suppliers
0: a, you know you, as you were saying before you want to have yeah. you want to have your brand spread out, you know, you want your customers happy, you want your, your employees. Yeah. And the challenge in today's world is that your employees a lot of them 75% of your business are happening via a website where there's no employee interaction per se. So the, the, the issue of that employer, the employee excitement, the employer brand, isn't necessarily immediately transmittable or transmissible, I'm not sure, uh, to the customer because it's going through an interface that is the Internet.
1: Yeah, but I think, I mean, the, you know, the employee, I suppose the point about employees is that, you know, we have, a, we have an, an office here in London Bridge. We, we've only been here a year. And we moved here to this... To, we moved particularly down to London Bridge. because it's the sort of place where you can find buildings that have single floor, single big floors. Because in the old building, it was a real rabbit warren. And I used to... You know, we were in White City, and I would used to wander around. I'd mm-hmm. find a door, open the door, and find six oh, people in there. who you? So I had no idea who they were or what they did, and it was just sort of ridiculous. Mm-hmm. And I wanted it on one floor so everybody could feed off each other. And, it, and you have to choose people who are... I don't know what it is. It's just positive. People who feel like, you know, anything's possible. You know, they won't take no for an answer. In a way, I suppose I'm trying to find people who are a bit like I was 30 years ago, Mm -hmm. where, you know, you will kick down any door to get something done. Mm -hmm. It's about getting on and doing things. It's not about talking about things. Mm -hmm. It's about doing things. And the great thing about having everybody on one floor is that... You know, or, or the danger of having them all spit up into different behind-closed doors is nobody knows what anybody else is mm-hmm. doing. And hopefully when you're on one floor, it all just sort of rubs off on everybody, mm-hmm. and you all understand that there's a common goal, where we're all going, what we're trying to do, and you have people who just believe in the business. They believe in the business, they love the business, and they love doing what they're doing, and they love the people they work with mm-hmm. as well. You know, one, That's one of the really important things. You know, I have new starters every two weeks. I sit down with all the new starters, and and really, I, I talked to them for about half an hour about how I started the business, and they all look rather bored. And then I just, I'm sure not. <laughs> and then they—that's that's
0: really cool to go and do that, by the way. I mean, I think that's a brilliant thing to be able to go in and see you, the 750 employees or so in the company, and and a, an opportunity to hang with you and to hear the story from your mouth. That's really great that you have the energy to do that.
1: Well, it's amazing how many people say you know they come from businesses, and we've got about a thousand people now, actually. Oh, but we, you know, they come from businesses that are even smaller than this one and they say they've never even seen the founder Mm -hmm. they've just never even seen let alone spoken to him and and it and it means a lot to them you know it means a lot to hear it from me but but the one thing i say to them as i say look you know the thing i want you to really take away from this half hour is 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 i want you to always think if this was my business what would i do
0: Mm -hmm. and they all have a you give out shares to the they all have participation is that accurate
1: um we don't give out shares but we have a th- we have a, we have an LTIP, a long term incentive I plan, see. which is effective shares. I mean, I say, I, you know, I've said to, I say to everybody here, I, I say, look, I'm not going to give you shares because I'm never going to sell this business. Okay. You'll end up with I shares see. in a business right. that you will never be able to do anything with. Right. You know, it's not that people want shares per se; they want to share in the upside of the business, right. and sure. that's what the long term incentive yeah. plan does. So, you know, every four years they will get a big payout. If we do well, they get a big payout equivalent to the value the increase in value of any shows they might have had mm. and I think that's it's important
0: brilliant Nick I really appreciate you coming on the show so uh, just uh, give it make it clear anyone who wants to come uh, visit your site of course or uh, maybe even follow you what would be the best way to, to track you down and not saying you know I don't want to have everyone call you and give you a telephone number but yeah. what would be any what would be your favorite ways for people to, to know more
1: I think, well, well, obviously, I mean, the best thing to do is to visit the site and buy loads of shirts. Yeah, after the know,
0: 18th of January in particular, I suppose. Yeah,
1: after the 18th of January, yeah, with the new website. But that's um, www.ctshirts.co.uk. And the best way to track me down, I mean, I actually, on every shirt bag, um, it has my email address. Oh, my gosh. And my email address comes through to me. And if anybody wants to email me, my email is nickw@ctshirts.co.uk, at And I think that's really important because I think a lot of people get sort of they get a bit big for their boots, and, and, they, and they, you know, they don't talk to customers anymore. And customers will tell you a hell of a lot about your business. Mm. They'll tell you more about your business than pretty much anybody else.
0: So, Nick, I, I've retained this, this key focus that's a big deal, customer, the importance of the primacy of customer satisfaction. And then the third one for me is the fact that you have the tortoise mentality and a private ownership, and that seems to be the, the three lessons for me. Thanks a lot for being on the show, Nick. Have a great day for look 2016 and the new site. Yeah, thanks very much. Thanks for having listened to this recording of the Minter Dialogue Show. You'll find the show notes on themindset.com. That's mindset with a Y. Where you can also sign up for my weekly newsletter at forward slash subscribe. If you like the show, please do rate it in iTunes. That really makes my day. Happy trails and enjoy Josh Sachs's Painted Fingers.
2: Oh, film me all your colors, any different way to rid me of the gray and heal me with all your imperfections that you mention in your lack of self-secure. i